Hi, welcome to episode two of the Conservation Crossroads podcast. I'm Carla Archibald. And I'm Rachel Friedman. And today we'll be talking about citizen science. If you've always wanted to be a scientist, but didn't do a science degree, or if you just love science for that matter, you may be interested in citizen science. Citizen science projects involve community members in some aspect of their research, like data collection, data processing, data analytics, or research dissemination. To get a flavor of citizen science in practice, we are going on a quick trip to the Amazon rainforest. Diego Balbuena is a research assistant with the San Diego Zoo Global and is catching wildlife using camera traps and enlisting citizen scientists to better understand the animals in the forest. We asked Diego more about this project. The main focus of the project is to survey the, a really big area of uh, relatively pristine rainforest because it's a reserve, a protected area. Tambopata. It could be used as a baseline to compare to other sites. Uh, if you do a similar survey as a forest with your slogging, then you can see how logging affects the, that area of the forest. Right? Uh, as it's also a really long-term project, then we're also going to be able to see the dynamics in populations. That's a pretty ambitious task, surveying one of Peru's biggest national reserves with only a small team of researchers. Well, this is where citizen science comes in. Diego explains how they're actually carrying it out on the ground. There are probably over 100 cameras. Ground cameras right now. Yeah. Uh, it's supposed to be serving the forest for three to five years, maybe. And it's like continuous flow of pictures, like yeah. hundreds and hundreds, even if not thousands of pictures. And uh, we'll need a lot of help. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, IDing all the animals. So that's why we're using Sunivers, and it's actually doing really good right now. In addition to collecting lots of useful data, with these photos we can also see some amazing animals that experts don't even get to see in the field. Yeah, there are a lot, not, not only just cool animals, there's also really cool pictures of animals. Uh, I, I, I have never seen giant anteaters carrying their, their babies camera traps, or maybe just blurry pictures, but you can see them really clearly on the images in this universe. Also, we're right now almost at 20% of the project, like 20% of, of the images have been categorized and identified, so that's really fast. Yeah. So the more people help, the more, uh, the more science we can do. If you want to help Diego out, visit the Amazon Cam Tambo Pata project on Zooniverse. Diego's project shows us just how useful extra sets of eyes are for dealing with large amounts of data to answer important scientific questions. But there are many things that make citizen science more complicated than simply identifying animals in photographs. Now that we have gotten some insights into what it's like to be running a citizen science project on the ground, 
we thought we would chat to an expert about what it takes to design your own citizen science project. Using citizen science approaches has a long list of pros and cons, like pro. You can collect so much more data or have your data processed a lot faster. Con. Because you have so much data, it can be hard to keep up with verifying records. Pro. You could be creating a great community around your research and could be fostering a conservation ethic among your supporters. Con. It can take a lot of time interacting with your citizen helpers and making sure you are meeting their technical needs as well as motivations and expectations. Regardless, there's lots of exciting opportunities for citizen science. We caught a seminar from one of the biggest citizen science nerds around. Jesse Capadonna is a PhD student at the Queensland University of Technology, using acoustic monitoring technology in conjunction with citizen science to conserve endangered species. I come from an ecology background. That's my love and passion in life. But my other love and passion of life that I'm super nerdy about, for anybody that knows me well, is citizen science. Anyway, so I'll just give you a brief history on citizen science. I know a lot of you guys might know a bit about it, but I also want to just emphasize that it's not about just going outside and collecting observation data with your phone or on paper and putting it in the internet. There's loads of different strategies of citizen science, and they started out as the observational ones focused on birds, so there is a really high concentration of bird-focused citizen science. It seems like citizen science may have come out of community engagement, but there are some fundamental differences between outreach, education, and citizen science. A lot of people are struggling with the difference between citizen science, science education, and science outreach. And they are distinctly different things, though citizen science can include components of the other two, and often do. And it varies on to what extent, you know, there are a lot of projects that are actually focused, for example, on working with kids. So those obviously are going to have a lot stronger of an educational component. But the key difference between citizen science and those other things is that it's driven by science and it's a form of scientific research, right? So it should have science outcomes, which is really important to think about when you're developing a project. The scientific outcomes of citizen science projects are important to focus on, but like any scientific tool, if you don't use it properly, it may undermine your results. They're also not doing the appropriate type of engagement, meaning that it's not a broad method of trying to engage with their citizens. They're sort of forgetting their citizens. They might have an ecological question as ecologists and be like, I can just get a bunch of people to look through this data or to collect data for me and off I go, get my big giant discoveries. But in reality, you're not gonna maintain engagement if you don't actually engage with your community. It seems like designing a citizen science project is an art in and of itself. Jesse's researching a rare and shy bird, making it very hard to find and study. So using acoustic monitoring supported by citizen science is a really useful method for learning more about this bird. I just want to tell you a bit about bristlebirds. So bristlebirds, who knows what a bristlebird is? Okay, there's some of us out here. All right, some of us should know. All right, so. <laughs> So, um, bristlebirds are an incredibly sneaky species, right? They live in the tussocks grasses. Their habitat in Queensland has been diminishing due to inappropriate fire regimes. So first they burn too much, then they burn too little, and trees grew over and shaded out the habitat. The tussocks grass dies, and then they don't have habitat. 
To learn more about the use of citizen science in bristlebird monitoring and conservation efforts, we cornered Zoe Stone, another bristlebird expert from the University of Queensland. So my name is Zoe Stone and I'm a PhD student at the University of Queensland. I'm an ecologist for the Bristlebird team and my project looks at more habitat requirements and food resource availability for the Bristlebird. And having gone out to all these sites um, multiple times throughout the year at different times of year, I know how hard it is to actually find these birds. Many of the sites that I work in, I, I will be working in an area where I know there is a bird calling five metres away and I will never get to see it. So over the course of my research, I've probably seen a wild bird a handful of times. A lot of, a lot of our currently occupied bristlebird sites are on private property or we have to traverse through private property to access them in park areas. So having private landholders involved in the conservation effort is really crucial for maintaining habitat because we can't do this conservation um, management on private land without their involvement. Techniques like acoustic monitoring that Jesse has been developing for the Bristlebird team is really useful because we can't always go out there and find the birds. So citizen sciences are really important for that. As Diego, Jesse and Zoe all demonstrate, citizen science techniques can facilitate and even make possible studying and answering challenging ecological questions. As we move away from dividing people and nature and towards models of conservation where there are more connections between the two, citizen science can be a way to engage people and learn more about the natural world at the same time. If you want to keep in contact with the podcast team or you want to suggest episodes, please send us a tweet using the hashtag conservationcrossroads. You can find links to the projects and researchers that we've spoken to today in the description box for this episode. We look forward to tackling the next big issues in conservation with you, and we'll be exploring paths forward from this conservation crossroads.